Welcome to Scrum Dynamics, episode 24. Hi, I'm your host, Neil Benson, and welcome back to another episode of the Scrum Dynamics podcast. In this episode, we're going to be looking at anti-patterns again. In episode 22, we covered anti-patterns for Scrum events. This is episode 24, and we're going to cover anti-patterns for Scrum roles. So these are the anti-patterns we quite often see with product owners, with Scrum masters, and with development teams. Let's just remind ourselves what an anti-pattern is. So an anti-pattern is something that seemed like a good idea at the time, but when you look back on it, you realise it was a pretty bad idea. You thought it was the solution to a problem you were facing. In hindsight, it was a bad idea that other people shouldn't follow. The opposite of that, of course, is a pattern. A pattern is something which seemed like an answer to the problem at the time, and looking back on it, it was. So it's great, we can share that with other people, and eventually that might become an industry best practice. Agile methodologies have evolved over time, and Scrum is no exception. We've added in new ideas. The daily Scrum wasn't part of Scrum initially, and definition of done and definition of ready were added later as well. So even Scrum is evolving with new patterns as well. This episode is sponsored by Documents Core Pack from msserumaddons.com. This is a powerful, flexible add-on for Dynamics 365 customer engagement. If you need to generate documents for your customers, this is a great option. You use Microsoft Word as your template designer, then automate document production and management in Dynamics 365. For example, you can use a one-click action button to generate a merge letter, convert it to a PDF, attach it to an email, send it to your customer, and track all of that as an activity in Dynamics and save a copy to SharePoint. Check it out at mscrm-addons.com slash products slash documents core pack. Let's just remind ourselves of the top 10 anti-patterns for Scrum events. Those were number one, the daily Scrum as a status report. Number two, referring just to story IDs in your daily Scrum. Number three was problem solving within the daily Scrum meeting. And number four, sprint planning based on recent velocity without taking into account future capacity. Number five, refining items into tasks during sprint planning. Number six, sprint goals that summarize nothing more than the sprint backlog. Number seven was special sprints. Number eight was changing the sprint backlog mid-sprint. Number nine was accepting items as done at the sprint review. And number 10 were skipping the sprint retrospective meeting. In this episode, we're going to cover the top 10 anti-patterns that I see for scrum roles. So let's get started with the product owner. Number one, the uncommitted product owner. In a Dynamics 365 project, your project sponsor is likely to be a very senior stakeholder within your customer organization. So if you're a Microsoft customer, that's probably somebody high up in your organization, perhaps somebody in your leadership team and your executive board. If you're a Microsoft partner, then it's somebody in your client organization who might be sponsoring the project. But the best product owner has really got to be somebody who's got sufficient authority to order that backlog and to represent all of the organization's requirements. So what I find is that Typically, the higher up we go in the organization, the more senior our product owner is, the less available they are. And the real key to being a great product owner is being completely committed to the project. So if you've got a product owner who's too high up the organization, they can't be fully committed. They're not going to be able to separate themselves from their day job. The anti-pattern we see here is the project sponsor being the product owner. Your project sponsor could be the uh, operations director, a senior vice president, or a vice president of a division, the chief revenue officer or chief financial officer, or a customer service director. 
What I find is better is to have somebody who's just maybe a layer down in the organization. So that could be an operations manager, associate vice president, or maybe a sales director, or a financial controller, or customer service manager. Those people make better product owners on one condition. We have to backfill their role with somebody else who can take care of their day job, allowing them to free themselves up and dedicate their time to your Scrum project, your Dynamic 365 project. You can't be a great product owner and still be holding down your day job. You're going to be caught up in meetings, working with your regular team, instead of devoting yourself to the Scrum team and to the Dynamic 365 project. So find a backfill, free yourself up, and become a devoted product owner to the project. Having said that, you do need to make time to meet with your project sponsor because you don't want them second guessing what you're prioritizing. You've got to report back to them on how the project's going, on its progress, and check with them that your priority matches up with their vision for what the project should look like as well. Number two is a committee of product owners. So even worse than an uncommitted product owner is too many committed product owners. This is a pattern I see a lot when we're implementing Dynamics 365 across several different divisions in an organization. Each division has got a senior representative and they don't quite trust anybody else to represent their needs succinctly and clearly and put their interests first. So they all want to be the product owner and we end up with some kind of committee or team of product owners. The result in this case is constant flux, maybe even chaos. Our product backlog lacks a cohesive vision. We get chopping and changing of priorities all the time. We get Stories that we thought were done being reversed and our decisions being countermanded. So let's stick to the best practice, which is a single product owner. The single product owner in this situation has got a pretty tough job, I have to admit. They have to negotiate with all the senior representatives from the other divisions to make sure that everybody's needs are being catered for. And that requires skillful political, uh, maybe a bit of cunning to negotiate and make sure that everybody's aligned to the same vision for the product and that the product backlog isn't going to be chopped and changed. I've had projects with two or three product owners and a committee or even several committees of product owners who meet on an infrequent basis and who can change our decisions at any time. That never works out well. I get pulled in lots of different directions and one of those directions is never straight ahead towards the finish line. And what ends up happening is everyone on those committees they, they ask questions of me like, why aren't you going faster? Why aren't we getting this done? Why do we have to push out the release date? Well, it's because you can't make your minds up. I'd love to just ditch them. Find a senior person who is committed and available and who can share their vision. Leave it up to that person and their skill to negotiate with all the other people who want to be a product owner in your organization. Number three is the overdrive product owner. What do I mean by an overdrive product owner? Well, this is an anti-pattern I most often see in sales organizations. This is when your product owner is a successful sales leader, the type of person who is not just visionary, but ambitious. They're used to setting massive, big, hairy, audacious goals for their sales team, and they try to do the same for you and your scrum team. The sales management techniques they usually employ to motivate sales teams really don't work very well with developers. The personalities that respond well to things like stretch targets aren't often found in developers. We're here to do our most creative work every day, to help our product owner and our users hit their business goals. Using sales management techniques on us, well, that usually fails. So watch out for that overbearing, overdrive product owner who comes from a sales background. 
Listen, I, I love the typical enthusiasm, the clear vision, the good communication, and the excitement and the passion of a product owner from the sales organization. That can be awesome. But let's draw the line before you become a, a fire-breathing, whip-cracking, hard-charging, backlog troll. That's no good for a project. You're going to burn out your scrum team and the project's going to fail. Number four is the learn-as-you-go product owner. Listen, I, I get it. The product owner role is a brand new responsibility for a lot of product owners. This might be your first ever IT project, first ever project working as a Scrum product owner. It's certainly going to be your first Dynamics 365 project. You might not have a lot of experience in writing user stories, in describing your requirements, in adding acceptance criteria, and accepting work is done. Sir, I'm having trouble understanding. Please try a little later. You might not have a lot of experience in describing your requirements as user stories, in adding acceptance criteria, and accepting work is done. This can all be brand new to you. So what I would recommend is work really closely with your Scrum Master. In these situations, your Scrum Master needs to be a fantastic coach for new product owners. They need to help you with backlog management techniques so that you can learn on the job and quickly translate that vision into a well-ordered, dynamic product backlog for your development team to work with. You need to learn how to participate in the Scrum events and your Scrum Master will show you the ropes. But I'd also recommend that you get some some good training to read widely on product management so you know what a good product owner has responsibility for. Read about user stories. Read about planning poker. Read about acceptance criteria. Know a little bit about estimation as well. Ideally, you'll go and get a certification for product owners like the Professional Scrum Product Owner Certification from Scrum.org or the Certified Product Owner Certification from the Scrum Alliance. Unfortunately, the basic certification that most Scrum practitioners go for is the Certified Scrum Master or Professional Scrum Master Certifications. And the product owner, while they can learn a lot from those courses, the Professional Scrum Product Owner course is slightly more tailored towards your role. So look out for that one and take it where you get a chance. New product owners shouldn't have to learn as they go along. Learn Scrum. Immerse yourself in it. I don't mind if Dynamics C65 might be the only project you'll ever be a product owner for, or whether this is part of a longer-term career move for you. You owe it to your team. You owe it to your users and to your organization to know what you're doing. It's not a hard skill to learn, but it is, like a lot of Scrum, a really tough skill to master. Your Scrum Master is going to help you, but get trained. Read widely and get yourself certified. So those are the first three Scrum role anti-patterns that I've typically seen on projects. Number one is the uncommitted product owner. Number two was the committee of product owners. And number three was the overdrive product owner. Number four was the learn-as-you-go product owner. Let's take a look at the anti-patterns we normally see with Scrum Masters. Starting with number five, the part-time Scrum Master. Some teams, especially more experienced teams, seem to think that the Scrum Master isn't a full-time role. I've seen some teams trying to promote one of the developers to act as a part-time Scrum Master while also having a developer responsibility. That makes your team's velocity and capacity really unpredictable. How do you know how much time that Scrum Master is going to have to spend facilitating the events and unblocking impediments that the team runs into? And how much time are they going to be able to spend in development? So what you end up having to do is to scratch their capacity from the team's capacity plan altogether. Anything then that that Scrum Master Developer does is a bonus. Well, that doesn't really put you in a much better place. Let's compare the part-time Product Owner Developer to a world-class sports team. 
How many world-class teams do you know in any sport that asks one of the players to manage the team? Theoretically, it's possible, right? But in practice, you get a bit of a half-assed job. What about an experienced team? Do they need any less coaching? Well, again, think of a world-class sports team. In fact, world-class sports teams have more than one coach. They have lots of specialised coaches for different parts of the, the team's productivity. There are coaches for strategy, for tactics on the field, for specialist positions. They have coaches for physical fitness, and they have mental fitness coaches as well, psychologists to support the team. So world-class scrum teams, I think, don't need any less coaching either. Every team deserves a dedicated scrum master. If you've got an absolutely world-class, fantastic, great scrum master, then possibly that person can coach more than one scrum team at the same time. Dermot, in fact, reckons that a great scrum master can coach up to three teams. I've seen great scrum masters coach two. I think three is stretching it, but Dermot and I will have to agree to have a difference of opinion there. Three is spreading your talent too thin. Even two is a stretch and one is optimal. One team, one scrum master, and if your scrum master is world-class, possibly one scrum master for two teams. Number six is the combined product owner and scrum master. So I've just chatted about combining the developer and scrum master roles. What about combining the product owner and the scrum master together? I think Dermot and I might have covered this in a previous episode, the scrum master-product owner combo. Let's just remind ourselves that the focus and the role of the scrum master is to coach the team, protect the team and its performance. They also have a duty to coach the product owner too, and if if requested, to coach the wider organisation on the appliance of scrum framework to their organisation. The role of the product owner is to maximise the value the organisation gets from Dynamics 365 and from the Scrum team. Sometimes those two roles can be a little bit in conflict. Imagine the product owner needs the team to really knuckle down and, and finish off all of the stories in this sprint so that we meet the delivery deadline that the organisation has set us for the release of Dynamics 365. On the other hand, the Scrum Master wants to protect the sustainability of the team's velocity and doesn't want to put too much pressure on the team. The product owner wants to pressure the team into a 60-hour week to eventually finish off some of the stories, but the scrum master knows that a 60-hour work week is going to burn somebody out and the next sprint after that, they're going to suffer the consequences. I still remember the analogy from one of my product owners, Frida Maher at the University of New South Wales. If you're building a house, there's the homeowner, there's the architect and there's the builder. Like Scrum, there's the product owner, the development team, and the Scrum Master. And if you tried to combine the homeowner and the architect role, you just might, you might get an amazing house, but I bet you it's going to take way longer and cost you far more than you ever imagined. And you're going to burn through an awful lot of builders. So the good practice pattern here is to keep the product owner and Scrum Master roles separate. Have separate people for each of those roles. Number seven is the dogmatic Scrum Master. So what a friend of mine, Jason Cameron, a great scrum master down in Adelaide, he coined it the other night, the scrum monster. All good scrum masters are familiar with the scrum guide. We know the five events, the three roles, the three artefacts, and we embody empiricism, the three pillars, and the values of scrum theory. The rules are all there in the scrum guide, and the scrum master knows them all really well. They also know a bunch of engineering practices, like test-driven development and pair programming, and behaviour-driven development, and they know which of those are going to work best for your Dynamics 365 project, and they can coach you in how to apply them. 
also know how to facilitate the team's formulation of things like their definition of done, their definition of ready, and their sprint goals. They're expert at coaching the product owner and grooming the product backlog and prioritizing it and having it in top shape and at coaching the team towards their best productivity. But the really great scrum masters know when to bend the rules a little bit and to make the most of a situation where your team just can't follow the rules. For example, maybe you're working in an organization where they just can't or won't provide a single product owner. We've talked about that challenge a moment ago. You've got multiple product owners going on or a committee. Or perhaps you're working with a distributed and remote team. You can't easily get together in person for most of the Scrum events. Or maybe your product backlog is in a pretty bad shape. It wasn't sufficiently elaborated or estimated before the project started. So your Scrum team is spending way more than 10% of its capacity in backlog refinement workshops. A dogmatic Scrum master, a Scrum monster, sticks to the rules and forces the Scrum team to do the same. They refuse to work with more than one product owner. They insist that everyone meets in person for the Scrum events, which, by the way, isn't even a rule in the Scrum Guide. And they timebox story time workshops so tightly that your backlog, well, it never really gets straightened out. A pragmatic Scrum Master, on the other hand, is a better practice. The pragmatic Scrum Master learns how to adapt to those situations where the Scrum Guide can't be applied in full. They learn how to work with multiple product owners, while coaching the organization towards finding a single product owner. They adopt remote working tools and learn how to facilitate video conference calls. They coordinate quick story time workshops with efficient planning pocket games so that everyone finds them fun and worthwhile. Don't be a dog. Don't be a monster. Be a pragmatist. Know the rules of the Scrum Guide and shepherd your team toward them. Number eight is the rookie Scrum Master. So. Perhaps you're a Dynamics 365 project manager. You've read a little bit about Agile frameworks. You like the sound of Scrum. You want to become a Scrum master. You want to learn how to embrace product backlogs and coaching a team. And you want to drop the habits of assigning work to people and controlling the project. So first of all, you've got a big mental shift to make, but you've also got to learn lots about Scrum and about agility. So can you take a two-day training course, read the Scrum Guide, pass a quick certification exam and call yourself a Scrum Master? Well, yeah, technically you might have the certification, but I think it takes about 12 months of experience working in a Scrum team before you can really, truly step up into the Scrum Master role. It takes probably around 12 months to really embrace the philosophy of Scrum, the transparency, the empiricism, the inspection and adaptation, to really know how to handle all the different situations that a Scrum Master faces, handling different product owners, handling a difficult team member, what to do when the Scrum team comes under pressure. Unless you've been in that situation as part of that Scrum team, it's really hard to know how to coach the team in those situations, particularly if you've come from a project management background and how you would handle that is quite different to how a Scrum Master would handle a similar situation. So I would recommend if you're a brand new rookie Scrum Master, first of all, get yourself 12 months of experience in a development team. How do you do that? Well, there are roles within the Scrum team that somebody with a project management background, I think, can pick up. Become a tester for a year. Become a business analyst for a year. Learn how to configure and customize Dynamics 365 for a year. And while you're doing that, learn from and follow a great Scrum Master. 
you can still be a developer in a Scrum team without a background in computer science and software development. So find one of those other roles that suits your latent talents and focus on those while picking up the skills of a Scrum Master. So an anti-pattern here is to try and be a Scrum Master after learning Scrum, but before you've experienced and embraced Scrum. A better practice, I think, is to have around 12 months experience with Scrum before stepping up into that Scrum Master role. Okay, so there we had the four anti-patterns for Scrum Masters. That was number five, the part-time Scrum Master. Number six, the combined product owner and Scrum Master. Number seven, the Scrum Monster. And number eight, the rookie Scrum Master. Let's have a look at the last two. They're going to be the anti-patterns that I've seen for developers in a Dynamics 365 project, starting with number nine, sharing developers between projects. I see this in Microsoft Dynamics 365 projects where a developer can't be released either from their kind of business as usual obligations, perhaps they're providing support to the system that they previously worked on, or they're split between a number of different Dynamics 365 projects, just as your Microsoft business apps project is kicking off. On the face of it, this can seem like a good idea, which is why it's an anti-pattern, of course, because it can appear that sharing a developer, especially one with really specialist skills, sharing them between projects can seem like a good idea because it maximizes their contribution and it means they're not sitting around waiting for those specialist skills to be needed. Assigning you to two projects would maximize your productivity. But if you know anything about the theory of constraints, you'll know that this isn't a great idea. Imagine you're shared between two projects, project A and project B. And let's just say you're 20 hours a week on each project. There's going to be times when team A is waiting for you to complete a task so they can move forward. And while you're performing a task for team A, team B is stuck waiting for you to come back to them to complete a task on project B. Your timesheet looks awesome. You're booked solidly, working for 40 or more hours a week across those two projects. But projects A and B both have periods where they're stuck waiting for you. Your productivity is going to be maximised, but the productivity of two whole teams is going to suck. I would rather have your productivity compromised a little bit in order to maximise the value delivered by my two project teams going at it full tilt. So the anti-pattern is sharing resources between multiple projects, and a better pattern is to dedicate a team member to one project. But what about those times where you really have to share? What if we're talking about a team member who is a parent returning to work and they're only working part-time? Or a team member with some critical skills is the only one who can fix the high-severity defects that come up in production from time to time for their previous system. My advice there is to time box their time. Know in advance by negotiating a fixed capacity. It's going to be between one and four days a week on your Dynamics 365 project and the rest on whatever else they need to work on. Ideally, you can fix that capacity to known days of the week or known times of the day. For example, we know that Sally is here on Mondays, Tuesdays and Wednesdays, but she's never available on Thursdays and Fridays. Or Nick is here from 9am in the morning until 3pm in the afternoon. After 3 o'clock, he's no longer available for our project. That allows your Dynamics 365 Scrum team to plan your capacity into their sprint planning event. It gives them some certainty and some knowledge about when you're going to be available and when you're not, so they can plan their work during the sprint around your availability. Number 10, another anti-pattern for development teams that I see. Let's call this one, learn to code. 
Stephen Smith is going to love this one. Stephen's a senior architect with Hitachi Solutions in the US, a good friend of mine, and he wrote a controversial article on LinkedIn about asking a Dynamics 365 team member who doesn't code to learn how to code. No one in Stephen's team should refuse to learn JavaScript or C-sharp in order to contribute towards his projects. I have a completely different point of view to Stephen. I don't have a degree in computer science. Well, sure, I can copy and paste bits of code from Stack Overflow, but I don't understand algorithms. Heck, I can't even spell algorithms. I don't know how to apply algebra or calculus to software development. I don't know if the theory of sets is useful in resource scheduling. I got into business applications as a user who loved CRM systems. I learned business analysis and later how to deliver projects and manage teams. Not as a graduate software developer who learned how to extend CRM systems with custom development. Now, of course, there's a middle ground between Stephen's point of view and mine. Everyone on the Scrum team should be prepared to do whatever they can do to help the sprint team meet their goal every sprint. Sometimes it's tasks within your specialty. Sometimes it'll be something completely new. Be adaptable. Continue to expand your skills and contribute more. Don't rely on a well-intentioned amateur programmer to have written a routine to process your period end in your ERP system. That's just asking for trouble. Right, Stephen? So those are our 10 anti-patterns for scrum roles. Number one was the uncommitted product owner. Number two was the committee of product owners. Number three was the overdrive sales hard-charging product owner. Number four was the learn-as-you-go inexperienced product owner. Number five was the part-time scrum master. Number six was the product owner scrum master combo. Number seven was the dogmatic scrum monster. Number eight was the rookie scrum master. Number nine was sharing developers between projects. And number 10 was learn to code. How about a bonus number 11? This refers to not one of the scrum roles per se, but our project stakeholders. Can we have an anti-pattern when it comes to project stakeholders? Well, here's one anti-pattern I've seen. Let's call it number 11, the wannabe product owner stakeholder. The product owner is a role performed, hopefully, by a single person. They can have help, for sure. They can have help from a business analyst, a quality analyst, a project coordinator, or a financial analyst. That product owner certainly needs input and feedback from other stakeholders in your organization. They need feedback so that they can hit the right goals. They can prioritize the most high-value features from across the organization's different stakeholder groups. And they need to be able to understand changes within the organization, changes to leadership, changes to structure, changes to goals. But they also need to understand what's happening outside in your marketplace, what, how your customers changing and the demands being placed on your organization by customers, by regulators, and by your industry. They need to understand your users so that they can deploy great Dynamics 365 software to those users in the right sequence and at the right time. Really, if you'll pardon the expression, it takes a village to support a product owner. But the development team should only have one product owner to answer to. Not a bunch of stakeholders, no matter how well-intentioned they are. A business analyst supporting the product owner shouldn't overstep the mark by ordering the product backlog. And the chief financial officer shouldn't be ordering the team to resolve a defect in production. Watch out for those stakeholders who are wannabe product owners. It can be really hard if you are the product owner to see exactly what's going on all the time. 
this anti-pattern activity from a business analyst or from your chief financial officer probably isn't happening right in front of you. They're doing it while you're out of the room. It's the scrum master's responsibility to watch your back, to let you know when it's happening, and it's the development team's job to let the scrum master know. The scrum master's job is also to coach the organisation. That might mean helping the CFO understand that there's already a process for handling SEV1 defects, and that process is managed by you, this product owner. The anti-pattern then is project stakeholders who overstep the mark and make direct requests to anyone in the development team without the product owner's explicit knowledge and consent. Better practice is to let the product owner collect all the signals from all the stakeholders on the project's vision, the direction of the backlog, and what the development team should be working on. So that wraps it up for this episode of Scrum Dynamics number 24. I just want to remind you that if you want to download my periodic table of the elements for Dynamics 365 customer engagement, you can find that at customary.com slash elements. You can download the PDF. There's 118 of my favorite websites and apps for Dynamics 365 customer engagement. And if you want to ask a question to be answered on a future episode of the Scrum Dynamics podcast by Derma and I, you can also ask your question by visiting customary.com and clicking on the send voicemail button on the right-hand side of the screen. I'd love to get your question answered on a future episode, so please feel free to ask those questions and Derma and I will do our best to get back to you with an answer. Thanks very much for listening. I really do appreciate your commitment to Scrum and Dynamics 365. Stay agile and fantastic. My mission is to help every Microsoft customer and partner use the Scrum framework to successfully implement Microsoft business applications. If you'd like to learn more about Scrum and become a certified professional Scrum master, visit crm.audio slash Scrum Dynamics to get discounted access to my Introduction to Scrum for Dynamics 365 course. The course features videos, worksheets, quizzes, and a practice assessment for the Professional Scrum Master Certification Exam. It covers the theory of Scrum, its events, roles, and deliverables, as well as the lessons I've learned through 10 years of applying Scrum to Dynamics 365 projects. CRM Audio podcast listeners can get discounted access by visiting crm.audio slash scrumdynamics.com.